Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today I've got my friend Phil Kramer, Kramer Hunts on Instagram. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing good, Jay. Just trying to survive this heat wave we got going on in Arizona. A heat wave. I think you're overcooking it a little bit. <laughs> Says a guy that's uh, sitting in Colorado enjoying the nice weather, right? With my toes in this 55 degree water. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds like Arizona's had just a hot, kind of a hot last week. I think it hit 117, 116 a couple days in a row there in Phoenix. Yeah, we've set a lot of records on a uh, number of days over 110, and I think we've reached actually 118 twice now this summer, so it's uh, definitely cooking things out there. I read that July was actually the hottest month on average of the record, and then the temperature on average taking the nighttime and the daytime, just taking the full average was 99. I believe it. it it's been just miserably hot you go from ac to ac as fast as you can yeah for sure um let's talk a little get a little bit of a report i know you've been uh, up in northern arizona in unit 10 as well as you've been down in southern arizona running your cams and such uh what has the monsoonal moisture look like uh, down in southern arizona and some of the cooster units you've been to you know it's been real spotty um there's there's been some pretty good monsoon activity in the southeastern part of the state especially uh it was kind of interesting from june no sorry excuse me july 14th until just yesterday uh the first of august they actually have had over three inches of rain in the southeastern part of the state and in that short period of time and it, it was uh, definitely needed unfortunately that has been fairly spotty but it seems to be hitting in some really good area for deer when you were down there um freshening up your cams and and your salt licks and all that stuff uh how did the conditions look or i guess when did you go first uh and and how did the conditions look at that time so i i first um went down to, to get up some more cameras and then actually freshen up the licks at the beginning of june um, and it was, it was really, really, really dry. All of the growth from the good rains we had through the spring and everything like that, um, had really dried out. And I mean, it just was a tinderbox. I was just praying that we didn't get any dry lightning because it would just go up in flames. But, um, as far as water sources, they were all looking pretty poor. Um, there were a few springs still running, but I think it's probably as low as I've ever seen them. And then I went again uh, almost a month later in July, about July 14th, somewhere in there. And again, uh, it was dry, but you could see where some of the rains had just started and, and we were getting some new green growth up. And then, like I said, from July 14th until yesterday, they've gotten over three inches of rain and a lot of the water sources have filled back up. A lot of the creeks that normally run this time of year are running again. And you can really see the, the grass and, and the green leaves on the uh, trees really start to take off. So it's just about right. You know, um, unfortunately, we haven't had that in most parts of the state. It's been, like I said, very spotty. But uh, down in southern Arizona, it's looking good. So when you go down in June and, and you know, put up cameras and check your cameras and then freshen up the salts and then you go a month later in July... 
with it being dry from that period of you know the the trip in june to july were the deer really really licking the salt and um, do you find when it's dry they lick more or when it's when it's raining they lick more um i was a little bit surprised this year because i still was getting pretty good activity uh even considering as dry as it was and the reason why i say i was surprised is normally when it's dry like that they don't really hit the licks near as much as they do once the rains start once the rains start it seems to really kind of kick it in gear and i think it actually makes it probably a little more palatable for the deer um you know the soil's got some moisture in it the salts leached a little better and i think it helps kick it off so once those rain starts when the activity really picks up and it normally coincides when the deer are really growing their antlers and that's when their bodies are craving that additional salt and additional mineral to kind of help get those antlers going and same with the does that's when they're carrying their fawns and you know they're getting ready to give birth typically the end of august beginning of september so their bodies are craving that salt too because they have additional stress of giving birth to those fawns. So normally it coincides right when the rain starts and uh, that's when the activity really gets good. When you went your last trip uh, around the middle of July, it's still a little bit early to really determine antler growth, but uh, were you able to tell at all how things are looking? Is it looking average, above average, or is it still too early to tell? Well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. When I first went down in June, I was pretty disappointed. Um, everything I was seeing, I mean, were just barely nubbed out. They hadn't even really got to their G1s yet. And I felt like that was a little bit behind. But then when I went back in July, uh, it's about par for the course. I mean, it's really close to where we were at last year at that time. Um, I was even able to identify a couple bucks that I've had year after year on cameras. And going back for, oh, the last three or four years, they're just about where they normally are every year. And when I say that, I mean by mass, by where their growth cycle is, and what they're I'm anticipating them going to finish out as. Now, I've even identified a couple bucks that compared to last year, they're quite a bit bigger. And I think it's just due to age when they're coming into their prime more than the conditions. So those factors kind of all rolled in together from what I've been able to tell is that we're going to have to be right on par or par with where we were last year as far as antler growth, maybe a touch better. You know, with the winter moisture that we had down there, I know when you and I were down there uh, Gould's turkey hunting in Mexico, uh, you got to see and I commented how a lot of the country looked really good and was actually already really greening up um, when normally down there in Mexico, which is, you know, where we're hunting ghouls is not very far from, you know, some of the mountain chains in southern Arizona we're talking about. There was already a blanket of green um, where normally uh, those those ghouls hunts in late April and early May um it's just dry as can absolutely be i mean there's very little green hardly at all but i noticed this year there was a blanket of green so i hope that that you know is going to um i guess correlate with a, a better than average antler growth year even though our monsoons have been spotty um it seems like you know getting started on fresh green grass and green feed and you know, even though they're they're eating more, um, they're more browsers than grazers. It it's just I I thought the vegetation overall looked better, but I've got to imagine you know rolling through May and into June, not having you know, and even into July, not having much moisture, it dried out pretty quick. And I think that's 
indicative of those fires that we saw down in 33 had a massive fire and um you know we had had the other fires as well um i just wonder you know what's going to happen over the next couple weeks to month as they finish out you know i I think it's going to be really pivotal um if we can get some much needed moisture more statewide and even into mexico um it's kind of interesting down in mexico the rain started just a little bit earlier down there and they've gotten some pretty dang good monsoons on some of our ranches and then other parts of our ranches haven't got a rainstorm so it we're getting into that spotty situation again but i think overall if we could get some more rains and they're actually calling for a slight chance here this week in arizona um again that it's going to be pivotal for the way the deer finish out obviously the elk are pretty much done um but as far as the coos deer and, and the mule deer in southern arizona and mexico's are concerned from what I've seen, they, they went into the season, you know, they started season. to drop their, yeah. yeah, the growing season in really good shape. And just like you said, that blanket of green that was everywhere kind of in the spring, I think carried them over. And even though we were super dry early summer and midsummer, I think they were going in very healthy and had all the nutrients that they need to start. And, and that starting, you know, gives them that boost and, and allows their body to start putting the nutrients into those antlers. And if we can get a couple more rainstorms now, I think it's going to be phenomenal. Just in the matter of two weeks from what I've seen kind of statewide where the rains have happened is the the moisture into the ground, even though we might not be getting surface moisture, I mean, it has sparked the grasses and, you know, a lot of the ocotillos are blooming, you know, blooming out, leafing out with their green leaves and the mesquites are starting to put on some really good foliage. So I, I think the deer... Uh, you know, I don't want to sound too optimistic, but I'm excited for it. I think they're going to be good. Good. Are you planning on hunting the OTC uh, deer season this August? I am, Jay. Um, I've I've got uh, quite a few points, and I thought for sure that I'd have a late tag, late rifle tag in my pocket this year. Um, point creep got me a little bit. I had 57% chance and uh, did not draw. So, I'm kind of putting all my eggs in one basket, and I'm going to really focus hard on uh, this over-the-counter archery, at least for the first week of the season. Um, and then after that, I've kind of got some obligations with antelope and elk. But I'm actually going to go down here this next week and set up some blinds. Um, I've got a couple areas that are a long ways off the beaten path, and the deer seem to really pay attention if, if the, something new shows up. So I want to get those blinds set and uh, get them kind of used to it so that way when the 21st of august rolls around they're going to be coming in like normal and hopefully i can slip an arrow into one of my hit list bucks let's talk a little bit about that and we've done some other podcasts on it for those that are kind of curious on these otc august hunts um phil so you're running cameras and you pretty much run them all year long um you know your strategy going forward you're going to go down now and brush in some blinds how does your activity usually hold up as far as, because I know you do a lot of sitting um, and just you're real consistent with it and sit all day. You know, how do you anticipate that going and, and how does it usually go? Or do you see the deer finally pull off or, you know, what are you looking for as good thing as a bad thing uh, when it comes to the hunt coming up? Well, the rain starting late, what I would call late. I mean, normally we're looking at good 
rains around the 4th of July, and we didn't have anything until like the 14th, 15th of July this year. So with that being said, I think the deer are actually still going to be hitting the salt a little better than what they normally would be. And let me explain what I mean by that is normally when the bigger bucks, well, all bucks really, start to finish their growth cycle. In other words, their antlers have, have gotten as big as they're going to get and they're starting to feel the need or the urge to start to rub that velvet they pretty much don't need that extra salt or extra mineral in their diet anymore so they quit coming in or at least being regular to the salt licks and it normally coincides right around the opening of the archery deer season now with the rain starting a little later later i think or at least i'm hoping they're going to be a little less active early which i've seen on my cameras and then continuing their activity a little later into the season when i first started doing the over-the-counter stuff i always thought man it, i need to hit the end of that over-the-counter archery because then the deer have a chance to finish out and grow to their full potential before i potentially kill them well what i've learned is if you do that that your bigger bucks are, aren't going to be hitting your salt anymore and you're going to have to strictly rely either on sitting water or spot and stock I'm not a real big fan of the spot and stock during the early hunt just because there's so many snakes and I mean, it's hot and you're out there crawling around with the bugs and which is doable, but I would prefer to sit stationary and pattern a buck and have him come in or have a chance of him coming into a salt line, salt line, uh, excuse me, a salt lick at a blind set and get him that way. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of racing the clock. You you want them to be as grown as they can be, but you also want them still coming in and craving that salt. So that's why I put all of my energy into the first week of the over-the-counter hunt because you still have the majority of your bucks coming in, craving that salt, and fairly regular. Now, as long as the monsoons are still carrying out, I expect the activity to be really good. And I've seen that, especially last year, Going into the hunt, it was kind of dry. We went through a little dry spell, and then we had some pretty good monsoon activity like the third or fourth day of the hunt. And I watched the activity of the deer coming into the salt lake just jump, I mean, by two, three times the amount of deer coming in during the day. So, so I mean, you would hopes. hope for, you would hope for like, you know, if, if you were, the hunt starts on a Friday and you were looking at the forecast and all of a sudden you saw, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, just afternoon thunder showers, you would be jumping up and down. Oh, for sure. You bet. I mean, I, I would be really excited. And the worst um, thing would be like looking on the forecast and see seven days of sunshine, no chance of thunder showers. Exactly. And then you just have to roll your dice and, and put your time in and, and go hope that, you know, they're still craving that salt enough to come on in but and do you focus primarily on salt sitting salt and mineral that you've you know had running for years and or water close by or is it just strictly on mineral and salt so all of my blind sets are on salt um typically and i i, tr I think you and i've talked about this before i try and have them within a half a mile of a water source and that's just because it makes it easier for the deer to be there and i mean they're not doing a lot of moving they're putting on groceries they're eating and as hot and dry as it is they don't want to be traveling long distances so that being said normally i'll run cameras on water 
right up until right before the hunt and i'll normally pull those off and there's a couple of different reasons one is the rains usually have started so the deer aren't relying on water near as much and two the activity of the people in the woods are quite a bit more and i don't want my cameras to get stolen but what i've found is once those rain starts they really aren't patternable near as much on water and i just have not had good success sitting the water later into the season when the rains are there um i've also found that you get typically deer spending a lot more time at a lick than you do at a water source and that gives you a couple advantages one to evaluate the deer but also two to wait for that perfect shot and and you know these coos deer are spooky and they're jumpy and when they come into water they're every alerts going on you know full blast so when they come into the salt and they spend sometimes 20 30 minutes there they kind of let their guard down a little bit and they get um calm and they're relaxed with the situation and their surroundings and I've, I've found it's just a little bit better when you're trying to harvest them and also more enjoyable when you're taking pictures and interacting kind of having them there that close to you let's talk about your salts a little bit and your your mineral sites that you've set up uh and you've told us before but I always get a lot of questions on it. How do you set them up? How, what have you seen as best performance, not only from a material, but from how you actually do it? Okay, you bet. Um, back before we, we ended up with quite a bit of legislation, I actually used to use, um, I've played around with a lot of different materials, but I used to use just regular salt. Um, you can block form, granular form, crystal form, whatever you want. And then I would pour a gallon of the liquid deer cane on them. And that seemed to kind of really rejuvenate the, the salt and get it leaching fast. But since the legislation's happened and most of my sites are out on BLM and, and state land, um, that I can't do that anymore. So what I do now, and I found that this really works good and, uh, almost every situation I've used it is I use just a 40 pound bag of crystal salt. And most of the time it's water softener salt or um, salt for swimming pools. As long as it doesn't have any cleaners in it, it needs to be 99% pure salt, but I'll use that and I'll find an area that is, it's, you're kind of trying to find an area that's open enough that they feel comfortable where something's not going to jump out of a bush and eat them but it's also enough brush and cover that they spend some time there. So you're kind of looking for a mix of, of open and cover. And then I'll go in and, and take a eight to 10 foot diameter area, clear the vegetation around off of it, scrape up the surface, dump that salt on, and then I'll take a gallon or two of water and pour that on right onto the salt and then mix that into the dirt. We've talked before, they don't actually eat the salt. They, they lick and chew the, the dirt after the salt's leached into it. And those have been my best results. I've had a lot of questions here lately about, well, how do you know where to put it? And I always try and do it with a, within a half a mile of a water source, if, if possible. And then also in areas, if you can find transition areas like saddles, um, even creek bottoms wash bottom draws where the deer are moving through maybe from a water source to a bedding area or a bedding area to a feeding area and in other words you're just trying to target areas that the deer like to frequent anyway and then if you can do that and find an area that they feel comfortable in you're golden and you're going to get good results good stuff um and you talk about legislation what did 
for those that aren't familiar, including myself, uh, I'm not really up on it. What did they, what did they say is okay, and what did they say is not okay? So basically, the only thing, as the way I read it, and you know, take don't necessarily just take my word for it, but what I've had discussions with game wardens on and everything else, and the legislation I've read is about the only thing you can use is salt, and technically, that salt has to be for agriculture or um, livestock purposes and nothing else basically is legal you can't use like stump liquor or anything like that because trace, it's not what about like trace mineral you could use a trace mineral as long as the main component or ingredient is salt okay. um so that's where they kind of get you you know you can throw these uh protein blocks and stuff out but they're by the letter of the law, not legal. Um, right, and where you're at, you have cattle that do come, but what you try and do is target areas that maybe the cattle are not as prevalent, right? For sure, for sure, yeah. I'm I'm hunting areas that, um, you know, have cattle grazing on them, and actually several of my licks that I'm hunting over are originally established from the cowboys. I mean, they used to throw mineral blocks and salt blocks out, and then I stumbled upon it and started freshening them up with salt and they have continued to this day um actually for cattle use so that there again that's another catch-22 you know it's great to have the cattle in there and you're absolutely got a lick established but on the same time you don't want cattle in there taking up all the memories card of your yeah. your camera either so yeah um and then what about like a big tree that's a, you know offering a lot of shade um, let's say that it's, you know, got a big exto- exposed, you know, stump or, or, or base of the tree and then it goes up like a big oak. Do you like that or do you feel like that, um, you know, they don't like the big shade because maybe something can jump out of the tree at them? It, it's kind of interesting. I have some licks that are, I mean, full on sunlight. Shade does not hit them at all throughout the entire day. And then I've got others that are kind of 50-50. And I haven't really noticed a lot of difference between those two. However, what I have noticed when I put it too close to a tree, in other words, that's that licks in shade all day, the activity is almost none. And I, I think it's that sixth sense that those deer have that something's just going to jump out of the tree and get them. But the other thing is, I think that leeches better when it's more out in the open and you're not getting that cover from the tree per se where you're blocking a lot of the rainfall and everything to get that salt leached into the ground how deep are some of your um areas of lick i mean are they you know foot deep or are they three feet deep so i have some jay that i've been running probably for oh i'd say 16 17 years and they're they're almost four feet deep (laughs) i mean it and it's down to bedrock. I mean, by there, what, really like fourteen no... by how big in diameter? Like ten feet? No, most of them are smaller, six to seven feet in diameter. Um, but they're down to rock. I mean, there's no more soil left for them to chew. So I'm always trying to take surrounding dirt and basically get back in it so the salt <laughs> can leach and they have something else to chew on. Um, but I'd say on the average licks that I've been running for five, six years or more. I would say most of them are in that two to three foot deep by seven, eight foot in diameter. Okay. And then when you uh, set up your cameras, do you set them right on so they're aimed right at the lick? And, you know, what kind of setting do you typically do? 
for sure. I, I have them all pointed right at the lick. I try and get the north-south um, direction as best I can. And most of them are within, I'd say, 20 steps or less, the camera. Um, if you get them up too close, you're, you're given a lot of potential peripheral area away. And you miss a lot more. So if I can keep them in that under 20 steps right around that. And then on the settings this time of year... I'm running a one-minute camera or picture delay, and I'm running anywhere between a three- and eight-shot burst. Um, I'm really not having to worry about cattle because the cattle aren't moving very far from water sources, so they're not spending any time up at the licks right now. And I'm wanting every picture I can, number one, to identify a deer, number two, to try and see if he's going to be a hit-list deer and if it's worth coming in and and hunting him. Um, So I want every picture I can get. Okay, one last question, and I want to switch to some elk and antelope stuff. Um, when you're sitting uh, and deer are coming in, and let's say it's on those days that are, you have pretty good activity, I mean, what type of deer numbers, you know, does, fawns, bucks, you know, on, on a good day, what are you looking at, like 10 deer a day, 20 deer a day? So last year I had some really, really good days after those rains kicked in. And I think my high day was 48 deer um, that I was able to distinguish different deer. Now, the interesting thing is a lot of these deer will hit that lick when they're really craving it. They'll hit it five, six, seven different times throughout the day. So I might have the same doe with two fawns in at seven in the morning, and then they come back at 10, and then they come back at two, then they come back at four, and so on and so forth. But last year, I was able to identify different deer and it just blew me away. I would say on average, though, you're looking at anywhere between 18 and 24 deer a day. And if you had to pick a two-hour window when most of the activity year in and year out in the, in that August hunt, what, what period would it be? So it, it's a little dependent upon how close it is to the water sources. And it seems like the closer they are to the water sources, the earlier they are in the morning by that lick and the later they are in the evening by that lick the ones that are a little bit further away um seems to be that midday activity is when it's really good but it goes back to what we've always talked about i mean that 10 to 2 on any of my licks is when if you had to sit that window and only that window your your chance of success is good awesome i know you've um spent some time up looking at some antelope up in unit 10 curious what the unit looks like uh, as far as a uh, feed standpoint and as far as a dirt tank standpoint with catch water as far as uh unit 10 and, and that country north it's they got some rains early that we didn't get down south um again they were they were fairly spotty but it's dumped some pretty good moisture up there i was actually up yesterday um, in northern Arizona there, and they got some more rain. Uh, they weren't calling for it on the forecast at all, and just some afternoon showers popped up. Uh, actually had hail when I was coming back down through the Verde Valley. Um, so they, you know, they've gotten a little bit more moisture than what I had anticipated. Uh, most of the catch water is doing pretty good. Um, it's full by no means, but it, uh, you know, for the lack of, of monsoons that we've seen, I, I was pleasantly surprised with the areas that had some good rains and good feed actually starting. Um, 
you know how it is kind of northern Arizona when you've had a good wet year you'll get those really yellow flowers going in a lot of the meadows and flats and and you can just start to see that now in some of the areas um but it wasn't a widespread rain I mean it they've had really spotty rains and in some areas it's been really good and it looks like you're going to have great feed and in other areas it's they're struggling um the great thing about unit 10 is with the bokeas and stuff you have that permanent water and uh, the feed might not be as good but that water's still good and we had such good moisture through the winter and early spring that it's the same type of thing they had phenomenal horn growth on the elk um and they they finished strong i think the dryness kind of took off late enough that it didn't affect the tops so i you know from everything i'm seeing we're gonna have phenomenal bulls again i mean in that monster category that that we all hope for the antelope's been kind of hit or miss it seems like some have had really good growth and i mean they're they're hitting their full potential and it seems like others are kind of like they were last year where we had a bunch of moisture and it choked out their normal feed is what i've been told um but you know, all in all, I was I was pleasantly surprised with the conditions up north, and I, I think there's going to be some giant antelope killed, and I think there's going to be some even bigger elk killed. Good stuff. Um, and then Mexico, you've got some cameras running back to the mineral licks. Do you run the mineral or the salt licks? Do you run that in Mexico, or do you or primarily just focusing on water? No, um, actually, we started the mineral licks down in Mexico uh, in like full on this year and down there we have the ability to go a little bit above and beyond just salt um since we don't have the legislation we have to deal with let's face so it you can put anything you want dang right <laughs> and what we've been you know like up here you want stuff that's good for the deer but you're really just looking for an attractant down there on these ranches we're trying to grow the deer and we're trying to give their bodies the fullest best potential they have to put on the biggest antlers they have so we've been running what's called a um, shock effect mineral it's specifically designed to allow deer's bodies to get the nutrients they need to allow bigger antlers to grow so we started that this year in earnest and i think we have them um, uh, i want to say we have nine licks out between our ranches right now the thing to remember down there is these are all on cattle ranches so we had to go and actually build enclosures for the deer to come in and just use the lick so um that kind of limited on how much we could put out and maintain but we have that running um we do have nine cameras on uh licks and slash feeders we actually put some feeders up this year they're just free choice feeders um and they're running what's called purina antler max in them again we're trying to do everything we can to get these antlers as big as we can all of that being said, they're really not responding very good to the feeders. I don't think the deer are conditioned to them, and they don't know what they what it is. But we're having pretty dang good luck on the minerals, and I think that's just due to their bodies craving it. So, good stuff. Well, it'll be as soon as the Arizona seasons get over. I know we'll all be anxious for for the uh, Mexico hunts, and it's going to be an interesting year. Um, trying to think what else. Uh, congrats! I think your turkey was showed up to be number one a state record didn't it it did jay it did which was you know it's it's icing on the cake because i was just looking for that royal slam and uh, i was able to fulfill that with you down there and then with the the covid and everything it's kind of slowed records and and stuff like that down from our, our critter groups but 
just in the mail the other day. I got that Royal Slam pin, um, and it was kind of kind of another celebration there to put that on my dash with the other pins that I've got through the years and send a picture to my daughter and say, hey, I finally caught up to you. So, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it turned out good. Good triple bearded bird, um, phenomenal. Well, it's uh, fall's coming and we're all getting excited for the hunting seasons. I wanted to make sure to call you and get a report, and I always appreciate uh, your uh, take on things and appreciate your friendship. So, thanks for sharing with us and uh, encourage anyone out there listening follow uh, Phil on Instagram at Kramer Hunts. That's Kramer with a C. I'll also link it up in the show notes. So uh, buddy, God bless. Take care and uh, hope you shoot a big old buck with your bow. Uh, thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. It's always good catching up with you. And uh, I'm headed down this next week to set blinds and do another camera run. So I should be getting everyone kind of updated at who's interested on where the growth is and what the bucks look like. And I uh, hope you are enjoying that cooler weather up there in Colorado. I enjoy watching your fishing videos you've been posting and jealous i won't lie it looks good (laughs) but uh god bless and take care buddy all right buddy bye guys i want to thank the sponsors of the podcast i want to thank gohunt.com my friend cody nelson the glassing guru the optics authority he's the optics manager at gohunt.com if you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call 702-847-8747. That's extension 2 or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. And I want to thank AllElk.com, home of the Bugle Mule. Use the JSO10 to save 10% on all orders. The Bugle Mule attaches to your bugle, and it's a great little carrier that holds three elk calls right there on your bugle tube, and its I can't wait to use it this season. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast.